Hi, Emily. Hi. <laughs> every time. I know. And now every I, time. And now I wait and I look and, and I watch her not breathe. <laughs> and I just smile awkwardly as mm-hmm. I don't breathe. <laughs> it's V good and I love it. Well, uh, so this is the uh-oh feeling. It is. Um, in case this is your first episode. We try to do this every once in a while. I'm Taylor. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Emily. Yeah. I don't think our voices sound anything alike, so we haven't heard from anyone that it's hard to tell us apart, so that's good. I have no idea. Not a clue. Nope. <laughs> um, we are recording at Emily's place the day after the election, uh, and here in Wisconsin, that was pretty dece, yep. gotta say. Bye-bye, Scott Walker. Yeah. Uh, we, bye-bye, bitch. We ousted Scott Walker. <laughs> we elected that bastard three times because we elected him, and then he got recalled, and then we elected him again after the recall, and then we elected him again in 2014. Um, Despite some people's best efforts. Yes. Many people's. Uh-huh. Somebody in this room so- used to get paid to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it done, did not go well. Did not go well. Super not well at all. Um, and it was a real nail biter, but mm-hmm. we have a new governor. We do. Yes. And I'm very excited. Me too. I'm super stoked it's about him. be great. All right. Curious about what's happening with Jeff Sessions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Of, I haven't that read a lot. That was pretty sudden. Uh-huh. Where it's like, okay, um, was that something where Trump forced him out? Or was he like, oh, no, I'm going to get investigated now and I don't want to be a part of this. So far, everything I'm seeing is Trump forced him out. Seems fine. Mm-hmm. He wants, what, somebody who's not going to recuse himself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who is he going to, what trash bag is he going to put in there? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. As soon as somebody gets ousted, it's like, yeah, it's fuck like, that oh, yeah. guy. Bye, bitch. Oh, wait, wait. This right. could be worse. This could be so how much How much worse. worse is it about to get? Um, I'm not sure how many people he has left in his cabinet that are original uh, members. Someone on my Facebook did win the Trump bingo. Oh, there's of, Trump bingo? Yes. Of, it's the picture of everyone he started with. Oh, my God. And you put an X over anyone he's ousted, Uh and they finally got bingo with with Jeff Sessions. Oh my god, that's hilarious! (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. Terrifying because over half of her board was already gone. Right, and it's like, oh, yep. A lot of the people left, I think, are sort of the lesser cabinet members that we don't think about that much, like transportation or some shit. Like we don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, And those people have sold their soul to the devil, and uh, if they come around, that'll be interesting. But uh, they won't. And if they don't, they'll, they, you know, they always have that excuse of like, well, if I wasn't there, we, we stopped so many bad things from happening. Yeah, you don't even know about the bad stuff we've stopped. Right. And it's also like, okay, you want to stop more bad stuff? Resign and tell everybody what you saw. Mm-hmm. Go to the press immediately, you cowards. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't care how watched, good you were like, at your job. Not even a minute of his press conference before mm-hmm. I had to turn it off because oh. it's just like, okay. You're just, you need to yell into the void uh-huh. right now because you're fucking scared. I literally saw pictures of his face and I yep. was like, I didn't need to see that. Nope, I don't need to. Didn't. Nope. It's, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> he was yelling at CNN when I turned it on. Oh, so, I saw um, that he yelled at the guy, took his yes. mic away, right? Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was very aggressive <sighs> and very not okay. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it, this, look, everything's the worst except it's a little bit less the worst now because we have the house. Well, we're very happy about that. We are. We're also drinking martinis we are for any of our hardcore fans we haven't had martinis since our fourth episode because that was a shit show it <laughs> was a shit show but i'm not going second this time yeah on martini night oh i still don't even like i barely remember 
like what a top i know who i talked about but how i got through it i'm not sure i have no fucking clue how no. i got through it but you know what this does it's it's not fair of us to say we haven't drank martinis we did have an episode literally called oops all gin and it probably was gin and tonics but it but it's still a load of gin it's what ruins our podcast and we're doing it again <laughs> ruins or enlightens because um, I think, episode four is still pretty popular you're right well i guess that's up to the listener you guys will have to let us know should we stop drinking gin forever <laughs> Or should we drink it every should time? Should we be the serial killers that we are drinking gin? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a popular serial killer drink. Here we are. It's also fucking delicious. If that makes me a serial killer, I don't know what to say. Also, we should say that our martinis are dirty as fuck. Hell yeah. They mostly take, taste like olive juice, and that's the way we like it. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. You are up first. I am. And we are doing a true crime app. I'm super excited about it. Guys, I need you to be really proud of me. I'm actually back on track. <laughs> I didn't fuck this up. She is right back on her McBullshit. <laughs> We're all really proud. Woof. Well, it's also the been... last couple episodes, it was very confusing for me because I didn't know where we were anymore. It's also been several episodes since we've had like a regular shit going on, I feel yeah. like. So, oofa doofa. Let's right. do this. I'm fucking into it. This is true crime. I promise. <laughs> I was, okay, I had a couple that I was going to do because I have a joke that's been sitting on a post-it. Oh, my God. At work. Oh, my God. For like three months. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not doing that one because I didn't have time to really dig into find the survivor that I'd found. Mm. But it was the Russian cannibal. Oh, God. Chikatilo. Dilo. Oh, weird. Because I have a Mamma Mia joke related oh, to his name. Good. And Should I cut this? Are you planning on doing it in the future? I don't know yet. Okay. Because if, if you are, I'll cut this out. No spoilers for anybody about your Mamma Mia joke, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the rest of the spoilers. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with leaving it in so they know what they have to look forward to. A Mamma Mia joke you've a kept Mama on a post-it note at work. I've kept on a post-it <laughs> note at work for three months. <laughs> My God, that Waiting. joke better be a just choice. Actually, you know what? I hope it's really terrible. It is really terrible. <laughs> I can tell you right now. The longer it goes with you not getting to tell it and then how terrible it ends up being. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be so good. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> and like, I kind of need Kat here for that one. Oh, so. for sure. Well, maybe the next, next time. So who so, do you have for us? I'm going to talk about Jennifer Mori. That sounds familiar. Yeah. But I don't know why. Uh-huh. That's fun. Yeah. Um, you've probably heard of her. Mm. So let's go back in time. Yes, please. Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. 1995. Jennifer is a young lawyer Ooh. who's living alone. Um, okay. And she'd moved in recently to the Bayou Park apartment complex. Because it seemed like a really safe place to live. I think I know who this is. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yes, I love this story. Uh -huh. Oh, my God. Please go on. Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, I know a couple other like podcasts have done it, but I fucking love it's this story. It's an incredible story. And it story. has not O feeling. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it had 24-hour security on site by Pinkerton. Oh, my God. Pinkerton. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds safe. This is the mid-90s. Right. Before, you and know, you're a, everything went up in fire. Right. And, and you're a professional young, 
<laughs> You're a professional young lady living alone. Yeah. You should have Pinkertons. Yeah. So she was out with some friends on April 15th mm. and had come home and did her normal nightly routine, locked the deadbolt, washed her face, brushed her teeth, and went to bed. Well, She's better than me. I usually forget to brush my teeth. I always remember to brush my teeth, but I forget to wash my face. Oh, see, we're like opposites. Yeah. <laughs> with our powers combined. Yes, we could make one Jennifer Mori. <laughs> <laughs> so around 4 a.m., she wakes up to the feeling of someone on top of her. That is not... Nope, That's not a good way to wake up. Unless you asked for that shit specifically ahead she of time. She definitely did not. Oh, no, Jen. Because they were tugging at her underwear with a knife pressed to her throat. Oh, no. She began screaming, as you do. Oh, God. And her screams were so loud, she woke up the 15 of her neighbors. Whoa. Good for you. Like, here's the catch. Oh, no. None of them called 911. So she's literally screaming for help, begging for him not to hurt her. And fighting back. And no one calls 911. It's like that. What do they call it? Bystander effect? Yeah. Like they all think yeah. somebody else will take care of that. Yes. Yeah. It's a mob mentality. Uh-huh. Of just like. My mother well, and I had a long discussion about it when I was in high school. The more people you think are yeah. a part of something, the easier it is to just yeah. be like, not my responsibility. Yeah. Because we had seen something. And we called 911, and then we had the discussion of why you should always still call 911, even if you think somebody else has already called 911. Yeah, yeah. Just fucking do it, Wait, just in case no one else has called 911 under right. the assumption, oh, somebody else has to have called 911 already. Right. What's the worst that could happen? They get 10 calls yeah. about the same thing? Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Maybe they'll get someone out there faster. Right. Oh, my God. So no one calls 911. During the fight, her attacker ended up cutting the right side of her face oh. and then kept saying, Jennifer, shut the hell up. So he knows her name. Uh-huh. Is his face covered? I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if you said one way or the other. I believe it is. Or she just can't see him at least. It's one or the other. She didn't know. I'm assuming it was a mask because she didn't recognize his voice. Okay. And it doesn't mention her seeing him. Seeing his face. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So eventually the fight gets to the point where he just, he cuts her throat Ugh. and it's like, like slice from on her through? ear all the way down, uh -oh. like cuts. And this is going to be gross, but like the description of it, when someone, when like the first responder saw her, it's like, it looked like a second mouth from how deep it Ew. was. Oh God. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> Listen. If Jennifer Moore has not said that one time in her life. Probably not. <laughs> not everyone aspires to be the Joker. Thank you. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> All right. So he slits her throat and then throws her into the bathroom. Apparently, like, just going to leave her there to die. She fucking powers up. Makes herself pressed against the door with her feet pushed against the bathtub mm -hmm. to barricade herself in the bathroom so he can't get in because there's not a lock on the bathroom door. Oh, God. First of all. She was really scared that he was going to come in there and finish her off. Right. 
I've always, I don't really get why, why stop, you know? Why just be like, maybe he was concerned about her screaming being too yeah. loud. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I gotta get guess. the fuck like, out of here. Go. I can't. Yeah. yeah. So, and that'll actually come into play of how quickly he left. Ooh. So she waits. She can hear him zipping up his pants. Ew. Yep. And she waits until she thinks he's gone. And then she had to try and get the door back open because she pressed so hard against it, she jammed it shut. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, good problem to have. Yeah. Very good problem to have, but like, fuck. So once she got out, she found that not only her power had been cut, but her phone line had also been cut. Oh, my God. Remember, this is 90s, so it's easy, way easier to do right. that kind of shit than it is now. So she lifts up the receiver, hears nothing. Like... Yeah. But she managed to find her cell phone. Oh, she had a cell phone. She had a cell phone. Nice. She's a lawyer. Oh, yeah, true. She probably had a car phone, too. Probably. She's a professional woman. Fuck yeah. She went back <laughs> into the bathroom and called 911 on her cell phone. That's good. The 911 dispatcher's name is Richard Everett. He took the call from Jennifer and did his best to keep her on the line and try and keep her calm. This was his first shift as a 911 dispatcher. Ever? Ever. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't even That's... imagine. That's like the nightmare kind of call you hope yeah. you don't ever have to take. Yeah. And he gets it his first night. His first night. Oh my God. While he's on the phone with her, she hears a pounding on her front door. Oh, good. And <laughs> I'm just like looking all over the place. Like I hate this already. 10 minutes into the call. Uh huh. And Richard at this point had her pressing a towel against her throat, trying to stop the bleeding, like keeping her conscious. Oh my God. Yeah. She must be bleeding out. Yes. By a lot. The man at the front door identifies himself as Brian Gibson, um, stating he's one of the security guards at the apartment building. Oh, the, like the ones who didn't stop this intruder in the first place. Uh -huh. See, sure, sure, sure. Uh -huh. Tight, tight, uh -huh. tight. So Richard can hear this and he gets a gut instinct telling Jennifer, do not open that door. He had no feeling. He had no feeling. Oh my God. Because he's like, there's no way the police or the paramedics had contacted the security. Like they were on their way, but they wouldn't have given security a heads up that they were on their way. Sure. There's no time for that necessarily. No. Like they should be getting their Especially asses Especially in, in the mid nineties yeah. with technology like that. would Right. Been, <laughs> they would have had to look up the phone number. Like it's a whole, <laughs> that shit. Yeah. Pull out the phone book. <laughs> oh my God. That shit's on paper. We don't have time look for that. In the white pages probably <laughs> for that local office number. <laughs> so well, it would have been, you would think if anybody had had, the opportunity to notify them, it would have been the 911 dispatchers themselves. Because, yes. like, who else is going to be calling Pinkerton? And busy on the phone yes. with her. Yeah. So Jennifer listens and doesn't go to open the door. And it fucking saves her life. Oh, my God. The police arrive on scene shortly after and are greeted by this very helpful Pinkerton man. Who says that he had been jumped by the guy that broke into Jennifer's apartment? Oh, okay. And this is why he was bleeding from his right hand and he had blood on his face. Oh, okay. Yep. He'd said that he was attacked. And then the intruder, when the intruder had jumped to the ground from her second floor balcony. Ow. 
And then he wrestled with the attacker and then watched him run across the field out into the woods. Sure, sure, sure. One of the officers shown a flashlight on the field and there were no footprints in the grass. Like nothing was bent. Nothing was out of place. There was, there was nothing. Right. Additionally, (laughs) in the apartment, police found the knife, a pair of men's underwear covered in her blood and drum roll, please. Mm hmm. A Pinkerton security cap. That idiot left his hat behind uh-huh. and thought he would. Ju- That's probably when, why he had to come back in. Yep. When they searched him, they found he was missing his hat and he wasn't wearing any underwear. Yeah, that'd be my first cue. I'm going to need you to take your pants down for me. Yeah. Thanks. I know it's awkward. But, I know, uh, but we need to we need to see. We're pretty sure you were an attempted murderer. Uh-huh. So, so show me that dick. She was right. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) Wow. I'm so sorry. So she was right in not opening that door because he was definitely coming back to get the shit that he dropped. Mm Mm-hmm. And to probably finish her off if she hadn't already bled out. Right. So it didn't take the cops that long to figure out he was lying. And he was quickly arrested. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like he really thought this through super, super good. No. A quote from Jennifer. I think he was a sexual criminal who had been put into a situation like a kid in a candy shop. And he used that opportunity to pick his favorite flavor of candy. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. You have a bunch of apartments you can just mm-hmm. get into if you need to. Yep. You have the keys. Take whatever you want. Yeah. How did he pass a background check? Like, how was yeah, this his Yeah, that's a first... great question. Let's get to that. Yeah, please. So after the attack, Jennifer filed a lawsuit against Pinkerton Security. Smart. And while doing her homework, um, she and her attorneys figured out that Gibson was not the first Pinkerton guard to go bad. Oh, no. Texas state records showed that between 1991 and 1995, approximately 130 Pinkerton guards were convicted of felonies. What? What are their hiring practices? Uh Uh-huh. They're garbage. They are because Gibson had a criminal record. Oh, my God. And was hired. No, that should automatically. Also, during his three years on the job at that apartment complex, he'd already received numerous complaints against him. And was still employed. Oh, my God. They were corrupt as fuck. Yeah. So he was convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to 20 years. Good fucker. Yep. She won the civil suit against Pinkerton. (laughs) Did she do it herself? She is a lawyer. Yeah, I think she had some help from other attorneys for, like, actual, like... I don't know what she specialized right. in. Right, might not like, have been her area, I suppose. Going up against a big company like Pinkerton, they're going to have a whole team. A whole team. And... and they're all probably her friends being like, yeah, yes. okay, yeah, you know what? We're going to fucking burn them to the ground. Yes. Let's do this. Take down the fuckers who attacked you. That's so, awesome. Two weeks after the attack, she moved out of the apartment because, yeah. I don't think I'd want to be there anymore. No. I feel like it just like walking through the door would be a full anxiety attack. Oh my God, for sure. She moved in with her mother, and her mom rarely left her side while she was dealing with the emotions 
Um, Good. She was paranoid and afraid of just about everything, mm-hmm. which is to be expected. Yeah. Fair. Uh, she did eventually recover. She's now a successful lawyer with her own practice. She got married a few years after. Oh, yay. And Richard Beckett, that 911 dispatcher that fucking saved her life. Yes. Was invited to the wedding. Oh, did he go? He did. And they're still pretty close. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. I'm so proud of her. She's her own practice. Yeah. Like, fuck. And that guy's in prison. Fuck him. I love it. Oh, he's probably out of prison. Because that was 1995. Yeah, it's been 20 20 years. years. Fuck. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly hope he's got, like, you know, uh, what's the word? Not parole. (laughs) The other one. The one where you get out, they still probation. Watch you. Probation. <laughs> My God, <laughs> it's the martini. <laughs> I've barely had any of it I yet. Know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really fucking upsetting. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it's just like, like a shorter one, but like it's a pretty well-known-ish story. People like at right. least have heard. Yeah, because it's just like kind of an incredible story. Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's like. Living in an apartment complex, mm-hmm. I would hope if I'm screaming fucking bloody murder, somebody would, somebody would call 911. Uh-huh. Did you ever watch that documentary? I forget what it's called now about the girl. You know, there's that famous case of bystander yes. syndrome. Yes. And her brother was the one who did the documentary, yes. right? And uh, they actually found out that, like, some other people did try to help her. Right. That that was, like, Kitty something? Yeah. I think you might be right. But yeah, she was a, she was attacked. Chicago. Yeah, she was attacked outside apartment complex. Yeah, and supposedly several neighbors. The story goes, and I remember learning this in AP uh-huh. Psych as a part yep. of the bystander yep. thing. Um, yeah, but he learns. He talks to the people who used to be her neighbors, and they were like, "No, I saw her. Yep. I saw her. I called nine one one. Nine one one. She was there at was, one point in the stairway or something. Yeah, someone had dragged her into the stairway, mm-hmm. and then he came in and killed her. Right. People were trying to help. It's yeah. just like. He it's, kept coming back he kept and leaving. coming back, yeah. He came back, like, three times, yeah. I think. And just, like, taking her different places, stabbing yeah. her some more. And I, I thought it was... They were trying to figure out if it was, like, a problem with the police not coming fast enough. Yeah, I think that's what it ended up being, is the yeah. cops just didn't respond fast enough. Right. And, again, like, And there's just, nothing... There's really, like, unless someone tries to be super heroic, there's not all right, like, much I get being, you can do. Yeah, I, I bet... Get it, I get being afraid for yourself, too. Yeah. But as long as you're trying something. Yeah, like, and people were trying. People yeah. were, were trying to help her and get her in. Right. They did more for her than any, anybody did for Jennifer Mori, apparently, unfortunately. Because, yeah. yeah, I don't... The fact that that case was a little, like, skewed mm-hmm. and the facts weren't right doesn't mean that the bystander effect doesn't exist. Oh, no, like, it absolutely exists. I think because, it's easy to feel Just because it. the few people helped, there was... So many apartments around where she was killed. Mm-hmm. And I think they said in the report you could see lights turning on and da 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 but no right. one came out. And it's like, I don't know about that, my dudes. Yeah. But yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. As we've said before, see something, say something. Yes. Don't, don't be afraid to be the 10th person to call 911. Be the 10th person to yes. call 911. Call, call your friends. This is a fucking... 
competition. Caller number 10 gets a, <laughs> oh, I love that. It's a satisfactory sticker on their next report. <laughs> Good job. Meeting expectations. <laughs> uh, well, all right. We are making good time, which means I can start drinking my martini like a little faster. And that makes me super happy. The only time <laughs> you, you shouldn't call the cops is if you're literally calling because you see a black person. Oh, yeah. Please um, don't. We walk down the street <laughs> sometimes, too. We like to go to parties. Sometimes you babysit and have barbecues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. Are you ready? I'm never ready. Let's do this. We are going to talk about the survivor, who I will get to her name. She's dope. But the survivor of a lesser-known serial killer, I think, anyway. His name is Robert Hansen, a.k.a. Butcher Baker. Ah! I really like his name, first yeah. of all. The serial killer name they gave him is really funny. Because, first of all, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's also, he was a baker. Number, number one thing about him, he was a baker. And he was a killer. So it's, like, real good, and I'm proud of whoever came up with it. It's, like, very, very dope. He's not dope, though. <laughs> I just want to be really clear. I liked the dramatic. <laughs> you looked down at your notes, and then you came back so fucking serious. <laughs> I needed to make it clear I'm not saying he's dope. Uh-huh. In fact, the first thing I said in here is, first things first, Robert Hansen sucks. <laughs> okay, moving on. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I just want everybody to be sure we are never on the side of the killer. I know. Seems weird. Type of podcast crazy. it is. Crazy. We don't we don't like those guys. Wow. So I mean we don't not like them. Right. We talk about their survivors. Right. I mean we So I mean it's this vicious cycle I know. where we need them. I mean it'd be super rad. I mean, even if we ran out of serial killers though, there would still be people getting stuck. In mountains and right. lanes and yeah. rivers. And we wouldn't run out of survivor stories. It just wouldn't be. But we know that we like true crime yeah. because we find these weirdos fascinating. Yeah. Even though they suck. Yeah. So Robert Hansen, who mm -hmm. I basically refer to as Hansen. I've been doing my best to refer to the killers by their last names and the victims by their first. <laughs> oh my God, that's what I just did in mine. Nice, yes. Oh. So Hansen... Was born in Iowa in 1937. Just Ew. a little bit of background on him. I know Iowa. What's up? <laughs> and he had a stutter and he had acne scars. And sure. so he couldn't get girls to like him. And so sure. he hated women. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. He basically has the least Probably original. Probably wet the bed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not even sure. All I know is those three like things about him. And he already has the least original origin story I've sure. ever heard. Like, I don't care if a girl was mean to you in the sixth grade. You don't get to kill people. You don't, that's not a justification for murder. No. Guys. <laughs> Guys. Hey. Don't. <laughs> hey, what if you didn't? <laughs> so, Hanson, as I said, was a baker, like his father before him. He was married twice. Um, He was a convicted felon already. Oh. For burning down a... The house. No, actually, he didn't. He burned down a school bus garage. What? Whatever. That's so... 
Okay. It's V specific. Not a clue why. Please I mean, some- <laughs> well, that is kind of how arson starts. You start in uninhabited places mm-hmm. and then it escalates usually if you're a true arson. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that's really his thing. I wonder if he had something against the school board because it like specifically mentions like where it was and what mm. school st- system it was in. So Maybe. I don't know. But that's how his first marriage ended. When he was in prison. In flames? Yes. <laughs> in, in, oh God, it's too good. Oh God. Took me a second. kicking in. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. In 1963, Hansen married again. And in 1967, he and his wife moved to Anchorage, Alaska. Oh. You know, a place where you can get away with anything? Yeah, my brother lived in Anchorage for a little while. It's a little... station there. Oh, sure. I mean, I know Anchorage is like a legit city. It is. Um, but a lot of Alaska is like... Is no man's land. Yeah. It's yeah, the Wild West, but cold. There's a lot of places to hide bodies in <laughs> Alaska. Uh-huh. For sure. Uh-uh. So <laughs> Hansen was known by his neighbors as uh, an avid hunter, and he even won some awards for his hunting. And he uh, had a lot of heads of various really big fucking animals. Like, he was a big game hunter. Mm. Um, and There are a lot of meese. In Alaska. <laughs> Are you talking about mooses? You mean the plural for moose is, I think, moose. It, it is. Is it? Is it? No, I'm, yeah. I like to say meese. Moose, meese. Let's, let's, let us have this, please. Please? Let us have meese. <laughs> so, Hansen, like a lot of people in Alaska, had his pilot's license and he owned a small plane. It was a Piper PA-18 Super Cub, oh. which is the funniest it's like a light aircraft that has those things that lets it land in oh. water. Yeah. Um, the floaty McFloaterson. Yes. And he used that mainly to get back and forth from his home in Anchorage to his hunting cab- cabin in the uh, Matanuska Mat- Valley, um, which is only accessible by plane, like many parts of, As- of Alaska. <laughs> Like many parts of Alaska are. <laughs> Look, we have a place here called On Alaska, and it's like really on hard for me Alaska, not to say it. On Alaska. That's what I do every time I drive past that sign. It's pretty good. <laughs> so it was here in the cold, open expanse of Alaska that Robert Hansen eventually got tired of hunting boring old animals. Sure. And he took to finding women wherever he could in the Anchorage area, flying Uh, them to his land uh, in the Matanuska Valley uh, and letting them go so that uh, he could literally hunt them. Robert Hansen was a people hunter. (laughs) So uh, between the years of 1973 and 1983, Hansen is known to have raped and assaulted 30 women and killed 17 of them. Many of these... uh, Many of these women who were killed were released onto his land so that he could hunt them and he would shoot them and then he would find a place to bury them on his land, which was a lot. There's a lot of land to be had, so I'm sure he had acres and acres. Sure. Yes, there is a movie about this, in case you were wondering. And no, it's not the most dangerous game. That's a different one. (laughs) Yeah, you'd kind of be surprised with how many people are into hunting actual people. Yeah. Like in the woods with guns or bows or whatever. Right. Well, like the most dangerous game thing is based off a story, I think. And that one's like a rich man wants to hunt you. Yeah. And they like let them out on the grounds and there's multiples of them. And and if you survive, you get money. If you survive, you get money. Yeah. You get to go free. This one's not, you don't get to go free. No. Um, and this, this, but there is a 2013 Nicolas Cage dealio called Frozen Ground. 
I would watch it. We should watch it. Oh, okay. It's going to suck. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, okay. But you might be asking yourself, Emily, uh? and listeners, how do we know all of this about Robert Hansen? He had to fuck up sometime. The man got away with killing women in a remote area for 10 years, and nobody found him out. He He's going to escalate. Yeah. He supposedly had friends. He had a wife. He had a whole life. He had I mean, Bundy hunting. had a wife. Right. But like, and also like Alaska. Yeah. So, but I will say, and yes, it's true. A lot of people get caught because they escalate and they yeah. fuck up eventually. They start to spiral. Yeah. And that is part of this. But a really big reason why he got caught is our survivor, who we will talk about now. Yay! Her name is Cindy Paulson. Hi, Cindy. I wasn't able to find that much about Cindy's personal life, which I assume is because those details are none of our nosy-ass business. Yeah, that's like, fine. That's fine. Yeah, and that's totally fine. We don't need to know. But I do know that by 1983, Cindy was a sex worker who worked the streets of Anchorage with some other women that she knew. And she was 17 years old. Oh. So that's a little sad. Yeah. I... I'm not sure what her early years were like, but... Obviously not good. Maybe not super easy, if that's something you're into at 17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on July 13th of that year, 1983, Robert Hansen drove up to Cindy on the street, and she got into his car. I read somewhere that they had spoken. She had given him her number because they were supposed to meet up. She overslept. So he was coming to find her again um, to hook up. Because that's her job. Yeah. And he offers to give her $200 for a blowjob, which, whoa. 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 That is so much money. <laughs> like, no tea. I, I can't even, like, I can't even say I wouldn't strongly consider it. Right. 1983, $200. $1983, $200. That's like 500 fucking dollars now. <laughs> I'm really curious. Oh my god, please. <laughs> Girl. How much? $506.91. You need to go buy a fucking lottery ticket. Dang. <laughs> Not bad. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. So that's a crazy <laughs> amount of money to offer for a blowjob that's happening in the person's car. You don't have to yeah, go anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere. You're not doing anything. You can be They're right not back expecting out. you to be dressed up. They don't want to cuddle after. Yes. Like, just in. Wow. Out. Two hundred five hundred and six dollars. Yeah. No, I like yes. But also, okay, again, no tea, no shade to our beautiful Cindy. No. But if somebody offers you that amount of money for something so simple and so little, maybe they're not intending on paying you. <laughs> like maybe just keep in the back of your head that that might not happen. But that's that's, that's such so a much good carrot to dangle in I front know. of someone's face. I mean like $500 could have been a really big deal for her. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I get it. Like, again, no tea. No yeah. shade. No, absolutely. No pink Like lemonade. I said, it's a hard one to It's a hard to, to turn down. Yeah. think about turning down. Well, also, it's just in the car. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Well, here it is. Here's the worst that could happen. Well, um, dang, double daddy. Dang, double daddy. <laughs> Um, side note, really quick, before I get into the worst thing ever, Cindy eventually told this story of what is about to happen to Sergeant Glenn Floth. Um, and so the quotes I have coming up are from her interview with him. So they might be a little weird. She talks a little funny. She's from Alaska. I don't know. <laughs> so they pull over somewhere. 
the thing is happening. It's all happening. Sure. Yeah. The first thing Cindy notices is that Hanson is really interested in the necklaces she's wearing. She's oh. playing with them a lot. Oh. The second thing she notices is that at some point, Hanson cuffed one of her hands. Whoa. She doesn't know when. Well, I mean, it is a lot of effort sometimes. Oh, my God. It's so much concentration. There's like four things you got to think yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> Blowjobs are hard. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Don't listen to this one. Hey, Mima. <laughs> Don't listen to this one. <laughs> I'm cutting it. There's no way I can let that go out. <laughs> okay, okay. We're both consenting adults. Right. You are married. I'm 28 fucking years old. <laughs> like, it's, it's chill. At this point in life, it's safe to say if you... <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say the thing it's safe to say. <laughs> okay, say This it. applies for... Men and women of all sexual orientations. Sure. You've probably gone down on someone. <laughs> One way or another. One way or another. Right. It's it a lot to focus on. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes sensory overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Depending on what's... Uh, yeah. And Ew, what situation they got? Yeah. I don't even want to know. You don't even... like. So it's, it's a fair thing to say he would have cuffed her and she wouldn't have known. Right. And if, and also, we'll get to this in a second. He was real fast about it. Like, he, this was not the first time he'd done this. Right. Shocker. So, she gets one of her hands cuffed. She notices it. She starts to struggle to pull free. And this is when Hanson pulls a gun. Mm. Quote from Cindy. Then he got my other hand cuffed. I don't know how he did it. Like, she doesn't know how either of these things happened. It was that fast. It was just frightening. Because I didn't really... I thought, but not a lot, because I knew he would do something. Sure. So he's got, I mean, one hand on a gun that is, she says later, is always trained right at her face. Ooh. And he's got his other hand cuffing both of hers. So her now her hands are cuffed together. It's, uh, it's a lot of maneuvering he does very fast. So Hanson drives Cindy to his home in the Muldoon neighborhood of Anchorage. And he takes her down into the, his, like, finished basement. There's a couch. There's a couple chairs. There's a fucking pool table. Sure. And a million of his trophies from when he shot giant animals Ugh. all over the walls. Gross. It's nasty. At least I assume. I, I, hate, I hate going into, like, hunters' houses. I can handle a couple of deer. Like, my yeah. grandpa has some deer on the walls. But, like, but, like, I've been in a house where there was, like, a bear and oh, a the moose. bears are too much. And, like, a bobcat and, like, mm-hmm. 18,000 deers. And an owl and, a ho- and like just all these animals and you're just like, what the fuck? And you just got 60 pairs of glass eyes staring yeah. at you. It's fucking yeah. creepy. It's weird. Yeah. And so, then you close your uh, eyes <laughs> and you, you know can they're... hear the hooves of oh. the angry animals running outside. Scampering, their ghosts, growling, yelling, fighting at the door. So angry they've been killed. <laughs> so he brings Cindy downstairs. He handcuffs her to sort of the bottom of one of the chairs, so she's on the ground. He ties a rope around her neck, ties that to the chair. He rapes her there on the floor. I know, poor Cindy. So, Hanson tells Cindy that there have been seven other girls before her. He likes taking them to his house because apparently he was tired of 
paying through the nose to go to their to her own place to their own place for 10 to 15 minutes at a time and then he'd have to leave so he started bringing them over to his place to his house to his cabin so that he could quote get his money's worth so that's cool he's great so after allowing her to go to the bathroom and all that, he sets up a small bed space for her. He wraps a chain around her neck four fucking times, Ooh. chains her to the, one of the chairs so she can like, she can just move enough to lie down. Oh. She's still cuffed and she falls asleep for a bit. And this is a quote from Cindy. And then about five hours later, he woke up. Oh yeah. He falls asleep too. So oh. he wakes up, he wakes her up. Sure, kidnapping is exhausting, I guess. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He, like, just, like, naps on the couch. Yeah, like a fucking monster. So, he came over there, and I told him, all I want to do is go home, because I live with my mom, and I won't tell nobody. And the whole time, he took all my money and jewelry, and he told me that, that since he liked me so good, that he would take me to his cabin and make love to me one more time before bringing me back. Oh, God. And he said that he had a plane over at Merrill Airfield and that we would go there. And then he would take me to his cabin and bring me back. Lies. And I knew I wasn't going to come back. Yep. Cindy knows what's up. Yep. Is the thing. She is full on aware that this is a bad fucking situation. God. I know, poor Cindy. So Hanson makes Cindy lay down in the backseat of his car. He covers her with some kind of blanket or something, and he drives to Merrill Airfield. And when they reach Hanson's plane, this is when he starts to fuck up a little bit. Hmm. He's just sloppy. Sure. Tell me if you can tell where. (laughs) Okay. So he takes the shotgun he had on the front seat of his car, probably not that weird, Alaska, and he takes it out of his car and he puts it on top of his car. Then he starts sort of pulling things from random places, unloading stuff from his car, and walking it over to his plane. He, this includes a seat. He has, like, a seat in the trunk that is for his plane. It's an extra seat he can install, I guess, so that he can put her on there and tie her to it during the flight. He tells her this. And then he goes in the trunk, and he starts unloading the seat. He makes several trips back and forth. He leaves his driver's side door open. So Cindy is in the backseat watching him do all this, watching him come back and forth. And on one of his trips back toward the plane, Cindy realizes the door in the doors in the car are probably unlocked because the driver's side Mm -hmm. door is open. So she quick as she can, she's cuffed still opens the one of the back doors and just starts running. Sure. Just takes the fuck off. Like I said, she's handcuffed. She left her shoes in the car. She's totally yeah, barefoot. Yeah, fuck shoes. Yeah, fuck shoes. But also, I think, like, they just, she just didn't have them on. I it's think not, she, there's no time. Right. Fuck no shoes. No time for that. Fuck shoes. You are barefoot. Time You're to running. run. Yes. So Hanson sees her immediately, clearly. I mean, he, he's yeah. going to hear. Yeah. But so he turns around, grabs his gun off the top of the car, starts chasing her. As far as I know, he doesn't fire on her. Probably because well, you're at an, the airport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many people are around? Guards it's and shit. It's already going to look weird for a handcuffed girl to be running. running out of your car. Yeah. Probably screaming. Uh huh. Who knows what kind of security yeah. like footage they would have in the early yeah. 80s. Maybe not much, but mm. still. <laughs> not Doesn't look good. Maybe don't fire that gun at a lady. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't, but he does try to chase her down. Um, but she is 
booking it <laughs> like so fast she gets to uh sixth avenue which i actually looked this up on google maps because i was like <laughs> how far did she go sure um and it's hard to tell what part of the airport she was in but it is like one of the nearest main roads that are just outside of the airfield and she sees a man in a truck and this man's name is robert yount he is driving the truck and just to paint a picture he's driving along and he sees a young woman with no shoes and handcuffs on, and she looks all disheveled, all the fuck, and uh, very scared. And he immediately pulls the fuck over. Good. And lets her in the truck. Good. No questions asked. Good. Just get the fuck in my car. <laughs> like, we should all be Robert Young. Drives her to a nearby inn where Cindy runs out of the car. Just like, she's like, bye. Okay, bye, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> she runs out of the car. She begs the front desk person for a phone and calls her friend to come get her. And Robert Yount continues on to work, where he then does call the police. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I first read that. like, okay, bye. That was a good time. Okay, that was weird. You guys will never believe the morning I had. Holy <laughs> shit. I was on my way into work. <laughs> Wouldn't Bag you up. know it? Wouldn't you know it? A girl comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Barefoot. Yeah. Yes, but he does call the police when he gets to work. Good. Maybe you just didn't want to be late to work, which I get. Um... But he tells the police about the incident, and the police go to find Cindy. Turns out she is now at another motel where she is staying at the time. It's where she kind of lives for a while. And they find her in her room, and she's still handcuffed, and she's alone. Oh. Yeah. So they uncuff her, and they speak to her, and she relays what happened to her. She re she tells them everything she can think to tell them. Um, She tells them the exact description of Hanson, his car, exactly where he fucking lived. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Which probably his airplane hanger. Yes. She could describe his plane. Yeah. Like, but the thing, so that's the thing that freaks me out is like, there's no way she would have come back from that. He was going to oh, kill God, her. No, he was good. Totally going to kill her. He let her see everything. If she was getting on that plane, she was dead. Yes, exactly. If she had gotten on that plane, she would be 100% dead. But she had a little bit of luck and a lot of cunning. He was just, he was cocky. For sure. He's he done looked. this at least seven times. Uh-huh. And he thinks he has it under control. He's got a system, yeah. obviously, with how fast he cuffed her. Mm-hmm. He's totally confident in what he's doing, that he isn't as careful. He leaves his right. door open. He he walks back and forth from his car to the plane. walking back and forth. He doesn't put her in the plane tied up right off the bat. Mm -hmm. He leaves his gun on top yep. of the car. Like, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot there. So, yeah. Um, it's definitely true that, like, she got very lucky and she would not be one of the ones because he did used to let people go. You know, he assaulted 30 people, but he killed yeah. 17. Yeah. Some people have survived him that are not her, but he had no intention of letting her oh, go. Oh, God, no. He was so, past the point of intentionally letting someone survive. For sure. You mean, why bring them to your house? Exactly. Let them see exactly where you live. She yeah. know she could say what street in the interview. She knew what street. She took the police to his house. Like, she knew everything. Jesus. So, unfortunately for Cindy and for the world, um, Hansen was able to convince police that Cindy was trying to extort him for money, that he refused to pay, and she made up the story. Gotta love the 80s. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but he did have an alibi that was corroborated by a friend of his. So that friend is also a piece of shit. Gross. Um, and because of his just sort of like mild-mannered, I'm a baker personality, they were all like, well, he couldn't have done it. Never fucking trust a baker. 
right? Apparently. I'm afraid of all bakers now. So the crime against Cindy went unsolved. Mm. Until. Oh. Over the span of the next few months, state or there were some before this incident and some after, the state troopers uncovered three bodies. The body of Joanna Messina, the body of Sherry Morrow, and then an unidentified woman who got a nickname of like, sounded vaguely racist and I'm not going to say it. Mm. It just sounded like a tribal thing. That Alaska. They, yeah, cool. Mm. So I'm not going to say it, but an unidentified woman, she was buried so long they could never identify her and yeah, her facial features were not there. So, they were relatively close to each other in an area. I mean, pretty spread out, but it's Alaska. So they looked like the same kind of death, like a couple of gunshot wounds, buried. Like, so Sergeant Glenn Floth is put on this, like on these bodies. He thinks, okay, I've got three bodies. I've got one killer, probably. Not a lot of people just going around. There's only like 20 people in Alaska. Like, okay, not a lot of more people. There's 20 people I know, in Alaska. But there's not that many people in Alaska. <laughs> so, like, and these are all within a few miles of each other. There's more moose than people in Alaska, or oh, more bears than people in Alaska. I 100% believe that. So, um, Sergeant Floth is in charge of the investigation. He has the FBI draw up a criminal profile. For his suspect and oh boy does it fit our boy to a t mm. oh my god mm. it says uh, this this criminal profile says the suspect probably hates women wants them to be punished he probably keeps souvenirs such as jewelry which he did yeah. um and he might have a stutter mm. which he did mm. <laughs> if you recall i mentioned he had acne and a stutter yeah sometimes when those profilers are on, they're just, like, really on. They super get it. So, in the pool of, one, people who live in Alaska, two, people who are former felons, who have a record, like our man does, who live in the this area or have land in the area where the bodies are found, who own a plane, and who have been accused of some shit pretty recently. Mm. The list is pretty short. And... Eventually, Sergeant Floth finds himself on Robert Hansen's doorstep to ask him some questions. Sure. And Hansen originally denies everything when he is taken in for questioning uh, until he breaks. I don't really know how this interrogation went or how long it took, but eventually he breaks and he starts blaming the women for what he did to them because they all deserve to be punished. So that's cool. It's probably a little bit narcissistic. Oh, just, just a just little. A just a scope. Gosh. <laughs> so Robert Hansen went to trial for four counts of murder um, before he had originally confessed to, including the three bodies they found and one other one. Mm. And as well as the kidnapping and rape of Cindy. So good. good. I'm glad he owned up to that. Mm -hmm. During the investigation, Hansen helped lead investigators to 13 other bodies he'd buried in various places around his cabin. And Hansen was, get this, for four murders, a kidnapping, and a rape. Hansen was sentenced to 461 years in prison. <laughs> because Alaska doesn't have the death penalty, but the judge was like, you're never getting out. You will never see the light of day outside of bars ever again. Yes, because it's not like he just killed them. He hunted them. Yeah, yeah. he was like, this is the most heinous shit this, this state has ever seen. So premeditated. Oh my God, yes. 
Like a fucking plane was involved. Yes. So to wrap this up, I don't have a fun little quote from Cindy about like why she survived. Because again, the, the interview I read from her was not a, like a, for a magazine. It was for a police officer. So there's no mushy gushy stuff. Yeah. But, um, I was on the website of a man who, who wrote the book butcher Baker. He has a uh, website also called butcher Baker with the interview on it. And he had some thoughts about it. Um, his name is Leland E. Hale, and uh, he had some thoughts about it afterwards, and this is what he said about Cindy, and I thought it was cool. Cindy Paulson is armed with a steel trap mind. One is tempted to think that this is what would save her. She's not flawless, and uh, her emotional overload is palpable. Uh, by all rights, she should have been dead, another nameless woman caught in Hansen's web. She was also a little bit lucky. At this point in his deadly career, Robert Hansen was getting a little careless. Mm. Like we said, the signs are obvious. To his mind, everything was under control. He knew the drill. He'd done this before. But Cindy Paulson was a wildcat waiting to spring. Bob Hansen wasn't ready for her. Glenn Floth once told me that Cindy Paulson was one of the best witnesses he'd ever met. I believe him. That she survived to tell the tale is her own little miracle. I thought that was kind of cool. Because, yeah, Cindy sounds, you know, she's young. She sounds like a teenager. She sounds uneducated. But she remembered everything. Straight smarts. Yes. She remembered everything she needed to remember. She was able to tell the story just fine. She got herself out of that by being eagle-eyed as fuck and fast. So I think she's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, hey, we had some women uh, surviving some men tonight. I mean, we have that a lot, but... We do. We do. We... Yeah. Those just felt like very... It's like empowering. They did a lot of their own really cool shit to get yeah. out of it. They yeah. had a little bit of help along the way. Yeah. By cool people named Robert. Yeah. Wait, was yours also Robert or was it Richard? Oh, no, wait, it was Richard. Yeah. So, so Richard and Robert are the best. Um, but also they just, they kind of had it together. They kept their shit together. They yeah. figured it out. I'm yeah. not proud of them. Yeah. Well, hey. Thank you guys for joining us once again on this episode of The Oh Feeling. Yeah. Um, we will be back in a couple weeks as usual. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've got a, I've got a dip, dip potato chip, so. Oh, okay. So. Oh, okay. So is that your way of saying we need to stop the podcast now? Yeah. Because, because you just said I need to dip, dip potato chip. That's yeah, what you said, Kat's right? Yeah, not here to do it. So. That's what you said, right? Yeah. You know what you should do when you dip dip potato chip? You should forget the fuck out of your can of water. I'm sick of your shit. (laughs) 